And here we are again, back for more. This is Winalda for the win, and I am coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here in beautiful, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. It's also part of the Win Hotel, Resort, and Casino, my new home, which I adore. I've said this before, but it is so great to just be eight and a half minutes away. So good morning, good afternoon, good night, good evening, whatever time it is in your world, you have found Winalda for the win, and I thank you for that. We appreciate you making me a part of your day, evening, or wherever you are in the world, wherever you find your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts, I do appreciate you coming along for the ride. All right, first things first, if you've been listening, hand up, I blew it. You blew it! I had Chelsea. I had been talking Chelsea. That was my thing. I said, this is the team to beat, and boy, was I wrong on Saturday. You lose! Good day, sir! Manchester City and a masterclass. That's really all you could say was the reasoning behind their first loss uh, in a while. It's been a while since they've been punched in the mouth, and that certainly represented a punch in the face. That, what a performance, though. you got to say it. Manchester City came to play. The energy was there. The tactics were there. I'll get into that a little bit uh, later on, but I got it. That's first things first. Congratulations to Pep. But also on my slate today is what is he going to do now? He has another game to play. Champions League is back. And next on Mr. Guardiola's slate is Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe and PSG. So we'll dive in a little bit on that as well because that's an interesting matchup. And, and my thought process, and I'll get into it uh, as, as we go today, is getting a game like Chelsea at Stamford Bridge right and winning the game. Jesus gets the goal. I think it was a 58th minute. I can't remember what minute it was in. Just happened to be his 52nd goal in the EPL which is equivalent to another familiar face, and Diego Costa, if you, didn't. if you don't have people in your life, statisticians that feed you with the, this kind of stuff, which is, represents my world. I guess what I'm going at here is the reality of Pep Guardiola is sometimes he gets it so right, and it's so beautiful, and you just got to say, man, the guy's a genius. And then you get in these big games, whether it be Bayern and, and Real Madrid when he was with Bayern, or again, in a scenario with Bayern against Barcelona, and he gets it so wrong. So that's what makes this one intriguing to me. Mr. Uh, Messi has yet to score. He was listed as probable most recently in this upcoming week of Champions League matches. This is an interesting one. Uh, if you're Pep Guardiola, you're kind of hoping he doesn't play. And the last pit, because for those of you out there who will continue to complain that I do not talk Major League Soccer enough, I will discuss... Another MLS team has fired their head coach. I'll give you three seconds to guess. Yes, it was Cincinnati. So Yapstam becomes the next casualty. His, he lost their GM. I think it was getting close to three weeks ago. Gerard Nykamp. Is this Nykamp or Nykamp? Nykamp is how you say it. It's N-I-J. So I know that because my original spelling of Winalda is W-I-J. But somehow a Y got in there. I think when my grandparents came over from Ellis Island, they just didn't, that, that was just too long of a name. It was Isprand van de Vinalda. Yeah, try and say that one. So they just said, nope, your, your name's Al, and we'll put an, a Y in there. So it became W-I-J-N-A-L-D-A, but they didn't dot the I, they didn't dot the J, and it became Winalda. So that's how this uh, Gerard Nykamp, that's the description of his, that's why I recognize that. You'll see it with Wesley Schneider or maybe someone like Rijkaard. It's usually a Dutch name, but this guy... Um, he was gone on August 6th, and now Yapstam is the next to go. Now, before I get into the Chelsea conversation, I just want to remind everybody in Major League Soccer, for those of you who that you make that your prime 
source of interest. And uh, as we as we watch as these these situations unfold in Major League Soccer and how uh, these coaches are hired and fired, there's been a couple of GMs that have lost their job this year too. But let's just go through this, okay? In the last ten years of Major League Soccer, there have only been six champions, meaning as a coach, and only on one occasion has that coach been a foreigner, and that was Tata Martino in, in Atlanta. And you could all say, well, it was pretty smart. Halfway through the season, this isn't good enough. Better get Almiron. Let's buy him for $9 million and sell him for 30 or whatever it was. Improve that team. And they basically won it in his second year. But still, the only guy out of this list. It's such a, it's such a funny deal. You know, I, I, I was racking my brain trying to figure out which foreign coaches have actually figured out Major League Soccer. Peter Novak way back when was a good example. Gary Smith is, is one of those guys that people overlook. I mean, he won it with Colorado in that horrible mess up in Toronto back when they, when they used to just play the game or wherever, who had the, the highest bid, I guess. I think it was Dallas. Uh, Shellis Heidemann was the, was the manager, and it was a crazy game. But at the end of the day, Colorado won. You know, I, I remember Connor Casey was playing really well at the time. <laughs> and uh, when, they, when they got the award, I think they called him Casey Connor. And, and the look on his face was just like, oh, boy. But anyway, that's where we were. But, I mean, look, there's, there's 10 champions as far as coaches go. Uh, Schmetzer's won it twice, and you could give one a, a half of those maybe to Ziggy Schmidt, but I count him as an American. Porter's got it twice, Caleb Porter. He's, he's done it with two different teams, so good on him. And of course, Bruce Arena started off this decade with the last decade, I should say, with, with a couple of wins in L.A., but it's not too hard when you really look at that, it's like, oh, I, I, got, I got Keno up top, Landon Donovan, and Beckham, and a couple of other people to carry the piano. Yeah, you're going to win. Congratulations. But still, three times for Arena, two times for Porter, two times for Schmetzer. Vermes has got one in there. Vanny's got one. And the, the, the overriding theme is they're all American. So you put this through this, your own processor, and you look at why was Heinze hired down there in uh, Atlanta, and why was Yapstam uh, hired in the first place. Man, those PowerPoint presentations must be amazing. Today we're going to be talking about PowerPoint. PowerPoint, PowerPoint, PowerPoint. At some point, you got to start understanding, you know, the importance of culture, the importance of keeping a consistent consistency with your club. You know, a funny story about Manchester United when, when Sir Alex Ferguson finally stepped off and said, I, I've, I've got to ride off into the sunset. And that was mainly driven by the loss of his... Uh, his wife's best friend, who really kept her company when he was off working his butt off. And he needed to be there for his wife, which was very commendable. But if you ask on the inside to some of those guys, they will tell you that David Moyes came in and told him, no more chips. Not allowed to have French fries at this club. And there was a woman that worked there for many years that basically had everybody's different flavors figured out. And Rio uh, Ferdinand was like, man, Boss, you can't do that. And it sounds so stupid, right? Okay, that really disrupted the team that much? Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that disrupts the team. And I've had a go at San Jose because they've, they've changed colors, you know, three or four times in the last decade with minimal success. They had something there. They did. They really did. You know, and you had a scenario with a guy like Dominic Kinnear, whether you liked him or not or thought he was simple. or th He was winning. He was winning in San Jose. He was winning in Houston, and they decided to change things. Now, look at, look at David Moyes now. He makes a switch. He goes to West Ham. Everything is different, and it all makes sense all over again. All right, let me switch over. I, I want to get into this because I have been 
almost to, a, to the nth degree, I've been talking about how great I think Chelsea is. And Thomas Tuchel has been absolutely phenomenal. But man, did he get it wrong on Saturday. I mean, Lukaku's performance, not great. Kovacic, not the best. Conte, bad. Let's just say it. It was bad. Timo Werner is, is lost. The guy's lost. He, did, he just doesn't fit. I mean, we get to January, and he's not on the block to go back to Germany. You just sometimes you got to cut your losses. Timo Werner's got to go. I mean, he was, it, it was a great... Uh, it was a, we, we watched him grow into this player, this commodity. We see this all the time. And then you overpay because they got to strike when the iron's hot, and this guy's good. He's going he's gonna to win games for us. He's going to score goals. He did have, there's all the indications were there to put him back into the team, if you're in Tuchel's mind. And maybe he was the right guy to connect with him, with both being Germans. He had, had scored in all of his qualification matches for the World Cup, a goal in each. The indicators were there. His new coach, if you watch the game, was in the stands. The flicks in the stand watching this stuff. I think, that, I think the German national team coach actually made, in my time, the 4.30, the 7, and the 9.30 game. And he, he looked a little, he looks as ragged as I do right now when he got to that 9.30 game, but he made them all. Unlike the crypt keeper! A lot of Germans making their way into the EPL. But man, Chelsea just could not do anything right. I have to look uh, back. Did they actually register a shot on goal? Probably not. Probably not. And I'm going to argue this now. I know that this is going to get uh, some feedback. I don't, you know, I don't really know where anybody else is going to go with it. Ruben Diaz. Ruben Diaz is now the best defender in the EPL. Van Dijk is wonderful. He was a lot better before his injury, and you, you can't fault him for that. Liverpool takes three against Brentford this weekend, so that just didn't happen before. I mean, there was actually a stat with Van Dijk that, that's in over 100 uh, uh, times or, or occasions. He was unbeaten on a, on a one-on-one duel. Nobody could dribble past him. That certainly is not the case anymore. So... I think Ruben Diaz is, is, is the real deal. He's better. I'd love to know what you think. You know where to hit me on Twitter. I don't handle Twitter the way other people do. I don't care. You, you have an opinion? Great. I'd love to hear it. I'm not going to argue with you. People on Twitter need to understand something. Arguments are a choice. Conversations are a choice. Even if the information's wrong, it's still information. Even if the person's really angry coming at you telling you that they hate you. So what? Deal with it. It's Twitter. A lot of people go, haven't figured that out yet. It's Twitter. It is, it's, I don't know, if you're familiar with the, the movie and or the book by George Orwell, 1984. It was two minutes of hate. So Twitter's 24-7 hate, but <laughs> it's the same principle. It's just an opportunity to just yell at the rain. That's all it is sometimes. Sometimes you get real information on there. Some people you have, sometimes you make friends. Sometimes you have conversations with people who you end up liking. And you, you continue those conversations, but they're a choice. If somebody says something that is not consistent with your belief system, that doesn't mean you block them. What is that? I got to go back and look because I, th- I think I've, I've, I've blown it too. I think I've I got a p- couple of people I probably blocked for different reasons. It's just that I just want to. But what I realized is that the mute button's so much better because they don't even know that they've been muted and they can continue to scream at the rain. It doesn't matter. But if you want to scream at me because I think Ruben Diaz is better than Van Dyke, go ahead. Go ahead. And then somebody's going to come up with a really cool stat that's actually going to help me understand this situation better, whether they are 
completely biased towards Liverpool and won't matter. It'll still be information. And I will embrace that information and use it at a, a later date. I guess the only other question coming out of Man City, we're talking about Chelsea. Chelsea's, Chelsea might figure it out, but I, I do think on, on this occasion, uh, maybe loyalties, maybe just misreading it. Uh, I was expecting second half. I thought he would make adjustments. He had done that against Tottenham, and I thought he was going to do that again. That was not the case. So Gabriel Jesus gets the goal. It was a deflection. I'll give Chelsea that. I mean, I think, I think they had it covered. You know, it just kind of somehow squibbled through there and, and one nothing was your final score. But the fact that they were unable to get on the score sheet, they were not un, unable to register a shot on goal. Alonzo would look poor. Alonzo looked tired. There were so many times where I, I, I went back and watched this game six times. I mean, I, mean, I love this stuff. So, uh, and this is a total annoyance to my wife and to my kids. Like, Dad, why are you watching that again? Like, can I watch, you know, something else? The good thing was you have enough TVs in the house that I don't have to usually deal with that. But I watched this game six times because the tactics were so genius. The risk-reward of what Pep was doing to Chelsea was working. It was working. There was a couple of times, you might remember, uh, there was one pass that if, if Kovacic, he, he actually dribbles out of trouble. He, gets, he squirts out of there. And that was one of the times that they didn't manage to, to get them to cough it back up. De Bruyne back in the team changes their, their look. He's just such a clean passer. He's such a smart player. But, I mean, once you got to halftime and, and, the, and the, it, the situation was what it was, that Chelsea had only had one corner kick and, and Manchester City was already on nine, you kind of knew that this was, a, this was a one-sided affair. Waiting for those adjustments never happened. He kept Timo Werner out there. Kai Havertz didn't get into the game until a little too late. And he went back to the way that they were having success. So that 3-5-2, if you will, back to the 3-4-3, a little bit too late. So this is, the, you know, let's get, you know, I'm not giving him a pass, but Thomas Tuchel screwed this one up. I think that's fairly clear. Before I get more into Man City, let's go through a couple of other matches that stood out in case you missed them. Uh, and, and if you're like me and you want to go back and rewatch something, go back and watch our friend Jesse Marsh. That's one hell of a response. 6-0 against Hertha. Now, and they've got Bruges in the week in the Champions League, so they got a, a double chance to bounce back. But that's really what Jesse Marsh needed. 6-0 was a great result. Starting to turn things around. That was some scary moments. We had my, my buddy Hercules Gomez was chiming in already and saying, you know, that, look, his, his passport's going to hurt him. He's going he's gonna to get thrown out of there because he's American. Probably not the case. Probably not the case. I, I don't know if I agree with that entirely. There's, I think we're over the passport stuff. Gladbach got back into uh, the thick of things with a 1-0 win. It, it did not help the red card. The hood got the, we still haven't seen um, Gio Reyna factor back in with Dortmund. This was another tricky game. I, I was disappointed. I wanted Holland to, to score again. Now he's 47 out of 49. I was anticipating him being back to level at 49 and 49, getting a couple, but didn't happen. Interesting stuff there. I mean, if, you're, if you've been watching the other pieces of the EPL, let's go back to there, with Arsenal and Tottenham. All right, Arsenal, congratulations. Man, that had to feel good. I, and watching Arteta go through all those emotions on the sideline, this was a big one. This was really a big one. And his team responded. If you watch the game... Man, I mean, I, I, Mikel Arteta, is, he's going through a hard time, and, and there's always articles about him. Is he the right guy? Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and Arsenal fans are, are difficult as is. He's really handled things fairly well. I mean, his, 
energy on the sidelines was contagious. Man, he had his boys ready to play. He really did. He really did. And if you watch that, I don't know if you saw that. I think it's the third goal. It might have been the third goal. Yeah, I think it's the third goal. Man, Harry Kane. Harry Kane, that's the worst nine seconds. Of you. I think I tweeted that, nine seconds of your career. He loses the ball. He almost falls down. He gets the jeers from the crowd. And then he chases 85 yards to make the tackle that unfortunately resulted in a, a bad deflection that went right into the, the goal scorer's path. So, man, when it's not going, it's, it's just not going. And watching their manager deal with that, it was, was painful as well. But Arteta, all right, there you go. There you go. That's better. And if you watch that second and third goal, and you know who he was celebrating with or who he was basically saying, it's so hard, it's so hard not to say, take that, you know. And it's, I told you so, and, and screw you, and all the stuff that's going through in your mind. And, and I don't know who he was celebrating for or with or was basically saying, take that, but let's not fault him for that. He deserves to have a, have a moment, and he certainly did. And I, I, I appreciate that kind of stuff. But all right, so I think we're, I think we're clear. Let, let's, let's get back to this Man City situation. Now, he's got a face against Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. I don't think it could get any worse than that. And you go back a couple of years, like I said, and you just substitute Suarez for Mbappe, and, and it's the same problem uh, when, when those three were at Barcelona. But Messi not having uh, such a, a wonderful time in Paris in his first couple of matches. Nothing, because we're always going to compare him to Ronaldo. Ronaldo comes out of the gates with four goals in three games, and it's, it's I've come home and all this stuff. And, and the reality is, is things look very foreign to Messi over there. doesn't look right yet. doesn't mean it's over. It just means they haven't figured it all out yet. But is this the most intriguing game to you? It is certainly the most uh, intriguing game to me. There are s- several others on this slate that they don't, just, they don't stand out as much. Juventus and Chelsea, that's... Always going to be a, a, a wonderful pairing, but I, I really am interested to see how this one plays out. If you, you could, fi- I think you could find it on. I th- it's on ESPN, I believe. Uh, there was an article uh, about this. Basically, Pep has come out and said, "I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with these three guys." <laughs> Isn't that so? That's so much better, I think, than setting yourself up for failure. And say, we are devising a plan that we will, you know, we will be working on this this week and we're going to figure it out because blah, blah, blah. No, just say, man, they're good. <laughs> this is going to be tough. When you have something as unpredictable as Mbappe and Neymar, the, you know, it's going to be a tough one. So you've got that uh, coming at you this week. I just think, I think if you look at all the matches, let's just go through them. It's certainly going to be AC Milan, Madrid, uh, Athletic. Uh, Madrid, Atletico. Is that one you're going to watch? Are you, are you going to are you just going to shut it down to watch PSG Man City? I wonder which one they'll put put on the TV. I mean, Wolfsburg's got Sevilla. It's almost like a so what. Manchester United, uh, Villarreal. There's this history there, and I get it because Manchester United has lost three out of their last four, and of course Ronaldo failed to score this weekend. If you watch that, with Bruno missed the penalty kick. Did anybody else? Was anybody else saying to themselves, "What is going on here?" And, and, the, and their goalkeeper is basically taunting. Ronaldo, how many guys do that, by the way? And then Bruno steps up and puts it into the 30th row. That was, that was one hell of a moment. But Benfica's got Barcelona, Dortmund's got Sporting Lisbon. I think uh, Holland's going to make up for some lost time, 1,000%. But the, the Champions League slate is, is going to be quite wonderful. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. 
next podcast, we're definitely going to have to start discussing, believe it or not, that the national team, a U.S. national team, is going to get, get going to be getting back together again. There's already been several prognosticators out there trying to figure out which team we're going to bring. I'll start the conversation now. Leave them there. Even if, even if, if Gio Reyna deems himself fit tomorrow, all right, and, and gets a moment in the Champions League, even as a sub, that does not mean he's ready to come back home and get on a 12-and-a-half-hour flight to represent the United States. He should not play against Panama. Neither should Christian Pulisic. Uh, maybe McKinney. I got to eat crow there because he's gotten some minutes. And that certainly is an interesting matchup that they've got in the Champions League this week. We'll keep an eye on that. But I'm going to argue the point that we are better off with our fab, without our Fab Four. Oh, my God, did I just call them the Fab Four? What am I thinking? If I started something, I apologize already. But McKinney, Reyna, Adams, Pulisic, they can stay home. And, and the, the, you know, it won't be the media. It'll be social media that will want Greg Berhalter's head on a, on a platter again because he, he made some selections where there, that were in the best interest of the team. You got some young kids, man, that are trying to prove something. Let them prove it. Let them prove it. So my point is when we go through this Champions League and the, uh, the following week before we get into this next cycle of uh, the international break, let's not freak out if those guys aren't on the plane, okay? Can we just all do that? That would be really nice. That would be really nice. But I'll be watching. I used to, as some of you might know, I've, I've been an analyst. Uh, I've called the games. And I've also been the host of the Champions League when it was with Fox, which were always interesting times. Some of the analysts that were involved in that go back to, the, well, of course, Warren Barton, the one and only. Uh, Christopher Sullivan, you might remember him from, from many, many years ago. Brian McBride has been in there on numerous occasions breaking stuff down for us, but we, uh, I, always, I, I always enjoy these weeks because when you have to work the events, man, it's work. You know, you have so much information in your head that it'll never, you'll never get it all out and that the whole secret to television is when they're counting you down from 10, you know, 10 to 1 and telling you to go to break. You got to figure out what little stat or what little thing is more important than anything else that you can get that on the broadcast before they shut you down and you're you're watching uh, progressive commercials. That's that's literally how it works, and it, it's 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 hard. I love this because I get to go to my kitchen, make myself a cup of coffee, and. Watch the games. I, well, the way I watch games is weird, though. I'll have a bunch of pads of paper out and a computer, and, and, and I'm and I'm because I'm fascinated with the tactical side. There's a big coach part of me that that that's never gonna die, and I love to I love to learn. That will be the way my my week goes, and I, I am very much looking forward to it. I, I don't have enough time to tell you who's going to win or who might win. Uh, if you're interested in you know that game in particular, PSG to win is plus one ninety five. City to win is plus 135, and a draw is plus 225. The over in this one is 3.5, which for those of you who are familiar with uh, sports wagering and or uh, betting on soccer, what you find is that it's 3.5 is a lot. 
Sorry about that. I was waving to some people that were walking just down the, uh, the corridor here at the Wynn. So let's switch gears here. And I just want to finish up with this because this one, this one I'm going to sound like bitter. I'm going to sound pompous, arrogant. That's all, it's all going to come out. And um, what I want you to know is it's really not any of those things. It's just, you know, look, I, I came back to this country many years ago in 1996, and, and all I wanted was for our country to explode. I wanted, I, wanted to see, I wanted my country to just really appreciate the sport the way I did. And I got to see the Bundesliga. I, I, had to, I got to play in World Cups. I understood what kind of passion existed out there. And when you watch games today in Major League Soccer, you, you, you really feel it now. You really feel that, that especially the teams that have really grabbed a hold of, of their own identity and they have a way of doing things and they have a great fan base. There's a culture within and, and that, th that's so beautiful to see. It really is. But what I don't like is when a club like Cincinnati is, well, let's say not is, was doing a fantastic job of being one of these MLS test markets. And if you remember a couple of years back, Cincinnati was, was the lower division team, the USL team, or it may have been NASL. I think it was the NASL. Because NASL markets, if you haven't paid attention, you know, really are the ones that do well. That's Atlanta, guys. That's Vancouver. That's Seattle. That's Portland. Those are places that, that prove that soccer works. The Bay Area certainly is there as well with the earthquakes. The Sounders and the Earthquakes are the only ones to keep their name, but still, that's, that's how it works. But Cincinnati comes into the fold, right? They build this amazing stadium. The stadium is now host to a World Cup qualifier. If you would have told me that 10 years ago, I would have laughed at you. But it really is a testament to all the work that goes into this and the excitement around new markets. Whether you like it or not, you know, the franchise component, it's not a club, it's a franchise, it's a franchise system. No one's getting relegated, no one's getting promoted. Doesn't exist. It's the way we do things in this country. You can, you can, you know, you can try to run for U.S. soccer president, change it if you want. Go ahead, try that one on for size. See how that goes. But Cincinnati was coached by Yapstam. Now, Yapstam played against him uh, when he was with Holland. Uh, never got to play against him in any, in, in any club, I, I would say. But he was a, was a mean SOB as a player. The things that work, and I already alluded to this previously in, the, in, to, in this podcast, about the last 10 champions, nine of them are American coaches. There's a reason for that. This infatuation with the idea that uh, you, know, you can recreate a new way of doing things, or change, like I've said with San Jose, they, 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 it's Almeida now, and it, and, and it used to be a Swedish guy. I don't even remember his name. That's the kind of impact he had. I know that uh, Farinelli hired him, but I mean, I completely stopped paying attention to the club that I played for. Completely. I didn't, I didn't even care. And that's so sad, because I had no reason to identify with them anymore. I don't know who Cincinnati is. I don't know who they were trying to be. I think when, when their GM, and I, I, it's, it's interesting, when, when I alluded to this almost about two weeks ago, and I didn't even realize he was in the, right in the middle of getting fired, but 
we need four or five transfer markets or uh, windows to get this right? As if to say, everything's so bad. Uh, no, that's not what they were saying. It was saying, oh my God, I'm not from here. Yeah, I've done things at Basel or I've done things in Germany or the second division in France, whatever, whatever you're slinging and whoever buys it, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is can you do the job? Do you know the job? Do you know what it entails? And are you going to get results? And the funny part is, is these foreigners come over here because they're like, oh, wait, let me get this straight. Even if I come in last, I don't get relegated? Yeah, sign me up for that. That's, that sounds great. We even had, I forgot his name, but the, the player in Austin said, we'd be crucified for our results if we were in another country. No, you're not. You're in America. You got Matthew McConaughey. He'll cheer you up, him and his drum. All right, all right, all right. You can lose in this league. And I don't even think, I, I don't know what they're doing. And I don't know who they're going to hire over there in Cincinnati. And, I, you know, you saw Lucha Gonzalez. He gets let go. Mark DeSantos gets let go in Vancouver. We almost forgot about Gabriel Heinze and Chris Armas, but, but you know, we're, we've gone through a couple coaches. You know, I, I, you can't say the whole um, RSL is a firing because Freddie uh, Juarez went to Seattle when that position vacated with a, their assistant coach going to Atlanta. Right? So, and that made perfect sense. It was working. Schmetzer's smart. He's going to lose his coach. What do you do? You bring in somebody who can communicate with his Latin players. I mean, Schmetzer, he's won two, two MLS Cups, and he has a hard enough time relating to the people that speak English. But he wins. And they've got it figured out up there. Garth Lagerway's a smart guy. Lost uh, Chris Henderson and still was smart enough to pick up Craig Weibel, and now they're still moving in, in a direction. I have no idea what direction Cincinnati's going to go. And the best part is, is I'm rooting for my friend Tyrone Marshall, who just took over the wheel. And I know this man. You might remember him. He's a teammate of mine. Oh, man. And, it's, it's, and the last time I saw him is he was still with RSL. And uh, we had played a preseason game down there. And it was really good to catch up with him. What a, what a beautiful man. But he's going into a scenario where I just don't know if they're going to really allow him to be able to make a decision. And I, I know we call him T-Rex, but I, I, think, I think Tyrone's basically going to take the job. He's going to bring a smile back into that locker room. And the name is escaping me. The previous Cincinnati coach was accused of a racial slur, just trying to connect with his players. And one of those players took offense to him trying to sing a song that might have had some inappropriate language in it. And he got fired for that. So you know, this is a club franchise that hasn't smiled in a while. You couldn't have picked a better guy than Tyrone Marshall. He was a Jamaican international Played with several teams. is a champion in MLS. And I really, really I am rooting for him. And it's, and actually, I am going to call him as soon as this podcast is over. I want to talk to my friend. I'm going to make sure he's okay. Everything that happened in RSL last year was a mess. They still don't really know what they're going. Pablo Masterani is in charge. The team has actually never looked better. They look great. 
And you can, whether that's Mastrani's doing or not, I don't know. But Cincinnati is a mess. And it's sad to me. I mean, this is like one of the, if you really think about it, the way that we address franchises and whatnot, and especially if you're coming from an NFL mentality, it's, you know, you look at what's going on with the Jets right now, the NFL. You've seen this poor kid. Putting him, <laughs> he looks like somebody's little brother. And he's in charge as the quarterback of the New York Jets. And that team stinks. But it's a franchise. And you have an unbelievable fan base. As mad as they are, they know that they can do nothing about it except continue to lose and hope they, hope they get a good draft pick next year. That mentality is seeping into Major League Soccer, and that's, that's what saddens me. That's not, that's not the way this works. That doesn't prepare players for the next steps. It just doesn't. The old, hey, we'll get them next time. What place are we in? I don't know. Somewhere 17th, 18th? I don't know. Wait, where are we? I don't know. Do you know? It should matter. The table should matter. Winning should matter. What's worse is when you win, and that doesn't matter. But losing, oh, God. What do these guys do when they go in a room? Well, we're not, no one's going to get fired here. I mean, but you know, what, we got to do something. We gotta, let's fire somebody to prove that we care. And that's what it feels like to me. 4, 13, and 8. And they lost three consecutive games. Last time they won a game was, you know, last time they had a real win was against Toronto. But, I mean, everybody can beat Toronto right now. I mean, even look at the USL, for example. I'll go, I'll go there before I let you go. I held this post for a year and, a year and a half with the uh, USL team, the Las Vegas Lights. They just had their 10th consecutive loss. Just try to think about that first. That's hard to do, man. Ten straight losses. That is screaming, I just don't care. Man, you get, to, you get to two or three losses, you're trying to fix it. But to go ten? Stevie Sharundalo's in charge over there. Love the guy. I love him to death. We're actually very good friends. But, I mean, let's take his example. He comes over from, you know, the, the likes of Hanover, who which, which just was in the first division. Then they endured a horrible uh, relegation down to the second. They're still trying to figure it out. And then he was at Stuttgart for a little bit, which has been a tumultuous time, to say the least. You got Thomas Hitzlisberger over there, who's another buddy of mine from Fox. Love that guy. And, and you know, they're going through all this. And then... At some point, after you've lost enough hair and, and, and your heart rate goes up to, to 90, you know, four times a week, you say, man, I don't need this. And then you tell your wife, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some calls. See if I can get one of those jobs in America. You can't get relegated over there. You can't get, you know, basically crucified every single weekend when you lose by the fans and the media. You just get on the bus and you go home and you say, what do you guys want for dinner? Chipotle or Subway? What are we getting? Nobody cares. That sucks. That sucks when people don't care. And when you don't care, what ends up happening is 
The players don't get better. The players aren't feel, feeling real pressure. They feel bad. I mean, maybe some of these guys feel bad that Yop Stom is no longer there, but I'll tell you what, they came to work today and they were met by a smiling face and Tyrone Marshall has said, come on, boys, let's have some fun. He's got a Jamaican accent. I can't do a Jamaican. I'm not even going to try. But I absolutely think, and this is, the, this is the oddest part, whether we're talking about Smith in Nashville or a guy like T-Rex, T- uh, Tyrone Marshall, who've been here long enough and played in the league long enough, and they're smart people, they understand how to win and how to build a culture. You do that, you win in this league. The Yapstam experiment is over. Heinze didn't work out. Surprise, surprise. Mark Dos Santos was a good assistant. Chris, Chris Armas, a great assistant. They're not head coaches. But they made sense at the time, so they hired him. And it didn't work out. All right, that is it for this week. Um, I'm, I'm going to be watching Man City. I want to see if Pep screws this up. You can, you can make a bet if you want to. Of course, you, you would uh, go to win bet for that, right? But it, the, the reality is the Champions League right now is all over the place. If you, if you were looking at the odds, trying to figure out who's going to win this thing, they, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody's been able to figure this one out. And I, so I can't wait for, um, for, for Man City against PSG. That's going to be fantastic. I, and the, the rest of the matches... Um, Enjoy them now, and we will start preparing. We will start now preparing for the list that I will call my, my friend. I know that uh, some of you, uh, your blood boils when I say that, uh, Greg Berhalter. Let's figure out who he's bringing in. I will, have, will not try to influence him. I just want to know who we bringing in and who do you believe in right now because I believe that he's going to figure it out, whether you do or not. But that's what Twitter's for, right? Enjoy the week. I will see you after the results uh, of the Tuesday-Wednesday slate. And I will be back in this beautiful studio in just a couple days. Until then, uh, don't be nuts on Twitter. Just have fun with it and understand what it is. Try to be good human beings. Take care of each other. Love each other. You're only here once. And as my good friend, I can't say good friend because I only met him once. Uh, Ricky Gervais said, we're all going to die soon and there is no sequel. All right? That's what we have to do, people. Enjoy yourselves out there. Be good humans, and I'll hear you next time. See you later.